Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have Ben Aykroyd. Hey there, Ben. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Well, it's a beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? It's a dark, wet day in London. <laughs> Isn't it usually, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> in bleak midwinter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're still smiling. Better be. <laughs> you just went under yes. lockdown. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm All right. Homework. So, uh, Ben, I like getting this show started just right into it. So, why don't we begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. I've been working in the gaming industry for about 10 years now, and before that, in the wider event space. Um, I had the privilege of working as a director of events for a well known tournament organizer, namely faceit.com, who are a large platform with. 20 million subscribers and we were running tier one tournaments across counter-strike mostly a little bit of PUBG in north america and europe so my role there was to put the events on make them happen um we're talking audience sizes of anything from nothing as in no audience at all to record was twenty-three thousand in london in september 2018 so yeah great fun um Very left nice. there about two years ago and now I do my own thing for my own consultancy, working with a wide range of different clients, all in and around esports. Beautiful. All right, we're going to have a lot to talk about. But before we do, I ask every guest a single question. So I'm going to ask you, just like I ask everybody else, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Ben? Depends who you ask. I'm asking I think you. A one. <laughs> I think a one, if you ask someone else, I'd say probably a safe seven. Okay, why would you say that? Because what's normal? That's that's exactly what I'm going for with that question. You know, most yeah. most people I ask, they go, "I'm a 10, I'm an 11, 12, 100." But the numbers are just outside the range. I personally peg myself as a five, and I love the fact that you're like, "I'm a one." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sort of very subjective, right? It's what is weird. Weird to me is weird to you, and weird to me is different to weird to someone else. So, I think it's a very difficult question to answer because it's or based on subjectivity? I uh, personally, I actually think it's an easy question to answer because it's so based on subjectivity. You can say we're all pretty much the same, right? Nobody's weird, weird, because you know, you're not wearing a cone on your traffic cone on your head. Like you, <laughs> you don't got the face paint going to, you know, football games. Like, <laughs> yeah, we are, we are conforming, right? Uh, we have to right. conform. We're all <laughs> professionals. And then once the camera goes off though, it's a crazy world. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So Ben, this is the gamer podcast. I know you currently work in the esports space, but I do need your gaming cred. When did you first start playing video games? Uh, probably was about cracky six or seven back in the eighties um, with a little Donkey Kong Junior handheld uh, Nintendo device, which absorbed far too much of my time up until <laughs> the current day where I'm still getting sucked into COD Mobile. That guy, that that game is taking hours of my life away from me. I do love it though. So that's not, I love not it. Like, thing. you know, when we were, uh, we've had our first discussion before we were doing this interview, um, you know, that was weeks ago. Uh, I asked you, you know, my criteria is you have to be a gamer. You're like, I guess I'm a gamer. Like you pulled up your phone and showed me you had like 130 hours on COD Mobile. Oh, <laughs> it's gone up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, I mean, I must admit, I don't PC game. Um, I have got consoles. Um, I think PC gaming, in my humble opinion, is a step towards the kind of the um the the whole which is a whole different world of gaming a, a dark hole whereby that's dedicated pc gaming i love it 
I mean, I, I admire the guys who play those games and the guys and girls, mostly guys, unfortunately. But that's not something I play personally, just because I I prefer to, I know that I get sucked into games. You know, I've got a very addictive personality. And I think if I spent a couple of thousand dollars on a, on a PC, I'll be up here on my own. And eventually the wife and family would leave me. So I tend to avoid doing that and just do it more casually. I'll tell you, I, I have that rig. I've spent all that money. I don't play on it. I spend my time with wife and kid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's the best not have it in the first place, right? That's right. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> all right. Um, kind of one more gaming question, then we'll move into like what you, you do for a living. Um, but you've kind of been playing a long time. You've had the ability to play all kinds of games. What would you say is your favorite game of all time? Crikey. I think your, your favorite changes with your age. I think um, back in the day, Crash Bandicoot, brilliant game. Um, I spent a long time playing Black and White. That again, that absorbed hours of my time. Um, that kind of goddess, goddess type genre of game. Um, now, as I say, it's more first-person shooters when I can, when now, uh, when no one's watching. Um, yeah, I mean, it goes way back. It goes back to PlayStation One. So. I was at the, the very beginning and the games of those days were very different to the games that we ha- we can now play on a regular basis. But yeah, I mean, I, I was playing, say, Donkey Kong back in when I was walking, just about walking through to yeah, present day stuff. So brilliant. I love it. All right. So, Ben, <laughs> let's let's talk on the preneur side. Um, what is it that you do today with with, with your business? Um, I act as a, a conduit between the non-gaming world and the gaming world. So um, one of my main uh, verticals, you might call it, is educating venues, districts, on how they become esports ready. So right now I'm working with a few different clients, some of whom are venues, who are basically saying our pipeline of commercial work or corporate work rather has dried up because of COVID. We're now looking at pivoting to different sectors where we can hopefully have a uh, developer footprint and attract business from the sectors. So my role at the moment is a, as a consultant is to say to them, one, are you esports ready through assessment of their suitability in terms of their infrastructure? And then two, help them develop a proposal and uh, as I say, a footprint to attract that business in that sector. Whether that's just looking at the space and saying the space could be used in the future for offline events or whether that's something more advanced or more integrated whereby we're saying well let's look at your facilities at the moment and develop some sort of content strategy so you can start communicating about this sector that you that you hold high uh, hold in high esteem and that could be anything from shared experiences across unreal or virtual uh, or unreal engine or or unity for example across different sectors so automotive um aerospace anything uh, working with a few different clients um and now most recently i'm working with a, a district in london who are who've asked me to do an esports feasibility study from both a commercial and a non-commercial um, perspective i.e what should they be doing by way of a district to attract more business and how can that benefit both the businesses in that space but also the wider community as in the guys and girls the youth communities who are all playing games so yeah it's a it's an interesting piece of work beautiful okay what what all goes into that type of feasibility study you kind of mentioned a, a couple of aspects there but like how do you help a business determine whether or not the esports space is right for them i think there's some 
very simple ways of doing it from the point of view of a venue. The first example, I was working again with a couple of other venues in London, um, one being Twickenham Stadium, the home of England rugby. And I bought their space when I was a buyer at my previous company. So I was looking for a space in which I could hold, host, host any sports tournament for six weeks. So when it came to looking for venues in and around London, I was the guy, I was the buyer with a, a quite a big checkbook, you know, with a million dollar purse saying, um, I want to find the right venue to deliver the event. But I was having to educate those venues as to what was esports. So I was literally giving them a menu saying, page one, this is esports. This is the amount of people that have been going to be coming. We've got eight teams a week for four weeks, six players in each team, five players and a coach. I need this amount of bedrooms, this amount of food. So I was saying we want one gig bearer with a backup line from a technical point of view. We want ceiling heights this high. All the infrastructure stuff. Uh, and that was more kind of a background background of my events experience, pre-gaming and gaming experience combined. So to answer your question, the first part is the infrastructure, the space, the bedrooms, the accommodation, the F&B, the provision of, as I say, in, internet connectivity. And then beyond that, it's a, well, yeah, you've got all those boxes ticked or you've got some of those boxes ticked. Therefore, your proposition to the market is this kind of, this opportunity. It's not going to be a 10,000-seater um, esports experience. It's going to be more of a maybe a community-led event. And then it's saying, this is your positioning. This is what you can do. Now let's work out how you position yourself in that market from a sales and marketing strategy. So how do you promote your esports readiness to that market? Okay. And then helping them to identify the pipeline. So it's the full kind of the full gambit really from start to finish. Okay. Now I, I hear these terms. I'm about to tell you um, like often, I'm not a fan of the words endemic and non-endemic, but you hear it a lot in the gaming space, specifically related to non-endemic brands trying to come into the gaming space. How, how difficult is for, is for these non-endemic brands to, to break in here? Or is it actually fairly simple if they know what they're doing? I think it can be simple. I think the the judgment behind that is the community response to their involvement. So the video games community is is precious, right? It's it can be highly critical, it can can be highly supportive. And if they feel that a non-endemic is coming to their space without legitimacy, they will tell them very quickly that they have no legitimacy in the market. And I think as the the popularity of video games and esports in particular grows and has more mainstream video attention, more endemics, sorry, more non-endemics are coming to the space from the point of view of they can see the numbers swelling that are watching video games on Twitch, on YouTube, or wherever else, on online generally. And therefore, naturally, as a as a genre, as a discipline that's got the most eyeballs, it would attract marketing budgets. Um, it is difficult because there has to be yeah, authenticity and legitimacy behind that decision. And I've seen it done. I've heard it. I listened to a great presentation, crikey, a couple of years ago now, between Riot Games and Abiko. I think I told you when we last spoke. B-E-K-O, they are a white goods brand based in Turkey. You think, well, what on earth have Biko got to do with Riot Games? Uh, it's a strange combination, strange kind of correlation, I suppose. And they developed it very tactically. And they their, their positioning in the market was to say to the to the audience in game with the legends you can buy potions those potions are blue green and red by using our hand blenders you can create blue green and red smoothies and and uh yeah shakes they'll 
be very, very good for you from the point of view of what, you, what makes up those shakes. The campaign was hashtag eat like a pro, play like a pro. So the idea being was by putting nutritional, nutritionist, can't speak, nutritional food inside your body, you can up your game and be as good as you can possibly be and or maybe even play as a pro. So use our products to make healthy shakes to put into your body to improve your gameplay. It's very, you know, very, very well thought out campaign. And in that case, highly legitimate and highly relevant for market and highly successful. Okay. I, ben, I'd like to ask a little more kind of in depth because you keep, you keep using the word legitimacy, legitimacy in the market, in the space specifically. Um, is that something that you advise clients on how to build? Like how, how do you get legitimacy in the gaming space? It's something I had to figure out myself when I, I entered this space a year ago or a little over a year ago. And it's, it's not exactly simple, but like, how, how would you advise somebody to do that? I think it, it depends on what you're trying to say, right? If you're, if you're positioning yourself as a destination or as a venue to say, um, you're esports ready. Why are you esports ready? Now, what what have you done in the past? What's your credentials? What are your credentials? If they aren't, haven't done a thing, okay, well, you start from the beginning. You, you're ticking the boxes to say we are ready. Okay, well, if you really care about this industry that we all love, start talking about it. Start saying what you think about it. Why why do you want to have a space at the table, a seat at the table in this, in this gaming sector? Is it purely for commercial reasons or is it because you care about it and you need to care about it to have the success in the sector? Uh, I think the authenticity comes down to the rationale behind the decision to enter the market in the first place. I mean, it, it, it depends on your visibility, right? If you're if you're a non-endemic brand who want to partner with an esports publisher, tournament organizer, that campaign, that partnership has to be thought through from a point of view of how will you how will your involvement benefit those watching online? Okay. Um, from your perspective, Ben. How was it getting into the gaming space? Because you said roughly 10 years ago, you you started up or you were with 10 years with that that event company, but you were not in gaming before that. Like, how was this transition been for you? It was more circumstantial than anything else, um, which isn't probably much advice to anyone watching or listening online. It was more about the network I was in. And it wasn't 10 years with that company I just mentioned, but it was 10 years in general okay. working in the gaming space with with Twitch and other entities purely because I knew someone who knew someone, which isn't really something you can learn, right? You can't really prepare for that. But it comes back to the same point about authenticity. If you care about the subject matter, if you care about gaming, if you care about either motorsport, you care about whatever, any sport, Show how much you care about it. Talk to people in the network. Talk, talk to people in the space, in the sector. Put your name out there. Make some comments about it. The more you say, the more you uh, put out there, the more you put your neck on the line, right, and say, this is my thoughts process about the space, the, the further your voice will be heard. Not everyone will agree with you, but generally speaking, they will because you've got to be very tactical about what you say in, on, in an online environment. And as you become better heard, your network will called gradually grow. And if you have the skill set, which I'm sure most people have, um, depending on what they're trying to target from a strategic perspective, then naturally, as your network grows, the opportunities will grow around them. And that's what happened to me. It was very, very circumstantial. It's contact of a contact, and I was at the right place at the right time. Um, and that's happened to me on a few occasions. So I think, as I say, the wider your network, the wider you throw your net, the more fish you're going to catch, right? 
The, the, the saying is your net worth is your network or your network yeah, is exactly. your network. Yeah, yeah. And that can disappear very bad, you know, very quickly, very quickly if you if you make the mistakes or if you're, you're saying the wrong things to the wrong people. Um, but that's just common sense. It's not, it's not rocket science, is it? Sure. Okay, Ben, if you could do it all over again, would you do anything different? Would you like focus more on a particular avenue? Would you just kind of hope it all worked out again? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think... It's been a great experience, and it's not over yet. Thank God, it's still continuing. And I think, as the industry evolves and fresh players come onto the scene, things are changing every day. And I think if I had the crystal ball and I could change everything again, I don't think I would because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone June, let alone Christmas time, let alone 2022. And that's what makes this industry in particular. And I've worked across different industries over the last 20 years. It makes this space a very, very exciting space. A very, to some extent, daunting space, but not so much daunting, more exciting from the point of view of it's going one way, which is up. More people are playing games. More people are watching video games online. More people will want to get back into spaces to watch live events once we're allowed to do so. I think that in itself is just going to grow and grow and grow. I don't know where it's going to go, which makes it, as I say, most exciting, maybe slightly daunting. Um, and you get things like COVID coming along. I mean, where did that come from? And suddenly life changes again. So there's no crystal ball. And even if there was, I don't think it would work because no one, caused, no one saw this coming. Absolutely. So no, I wouldn't change it. Okay. Um, let me ask you about you. You've had this incredible you know, career so far and you're doing something that so many people wish they could be doing, which is consulting businesses and getting into the esports space. What makes you special though? Like what, what is the, the unique special sauce, special skills, talents that you have that make you good at what you do? I think it's got to be, without the experience of working for the TO that I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't be in a position I am now. So from that point of view, I keep on saying it, it's legitimacy. Legitimacy, my, my context is my professional experience. You can go online, you can see where I've worked, you've seen what I've done. Everyone, anyone being introduced to me first time will think, okay, who's this guy? Okay, yeah, I can see that he knows what he's talking about from the point of view of where he's worked and who's employed him. And I think in addition to that, it's down to taking that experience, that commercial experience, and applying that experience to the right client base to say, you can't be all things to all people. You can be something to someone. And if you align your skill set with your network and opportunities that arise, then something good will come from it. And I think, yeah, I've learned in the last, whatever, few years that you can try and be all things to all people, but you have a special, um, a special offering, a special service that you can dedicate to the right clientele. And as long as that service is wide enough to sustain a decent income or an income, especially in these times, you're in a good place. And on top of that, this sounds very arrogant, but you've got to be a nice person. You've got to not, you've got to treat people well. You've got to respect everyone you work with and everyone you have worked with and everyone you will work in the future. And it's all about the network. The wider the network is, the more opportunities will come your way. And it's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy from the point of view of the more you work, the wider your network. The wider your network, the more you work. That's uh, said from the point of view of someone in their 40s rather than someone in their 20s. So I appreciate maybe the benefit of age in this context has benefited my career from the point of view of my personal background and therefore my personal net worth, 
network. Absolutely. Okay. So part of the purpose of my show is to try to draw out as much advice as I possibly can out of my guests, because I want my audience to be able to get something from this conversation, not just hear a fantastic conversation. Um, you, you mentioned several times that everybody has their, their special thing that they're good at and that you just got to market that thing. Well, what about those people who don't know what it is yet? How can they figure out what that thing is inside of them that is, is marketable to the, the wider market? That's a very good question. Um, it's a question that everyone struggles with, right? Unless you find, unless you're, we're talking about the game sector, but obviously in other sectors, you you know that from an early age and you're studying and you're progressing your education. You, and naturally, there's an output, which is a vocational opportunity. In this space, I think the enormity at which the esports and video game space is, is growing means there's a whole myriad of different opportunities within it. And that in itself makes it very attractive. And it is basically the broadcast business. It's the broadcast business. It's it's many things within that. It's technical. It's um, it's the, the the elements of which make a show go live. So it's all the technical back end. It's the vision mixing. It's the directing. It's the show calling. It's the producing. Those skills are very transferable across any broadcast media. Be that esports. Be that sports. Be that film and TV. That's very very kind of generic. And I think most people know probably from a fairly early age if they like you know playing with levers twisting knobs making things live like producing content if you like producing content at home and chucking it online well maybe that's something that could be rolled out into a a, a streaming career or as i said behind the scenes production career from the point of view of broadcast production but I think, you know, it's that magic wand that we all want. If you said to me tomorrow, said to anyone tomorrow, okay, if I could give you a dream job tomorrow, what would it be? Answer that question first and say, is that reasonable? Could I do that for a living? Yeah, you could. Okay, well, what's stopping you? <laughs> I so, yeah, I mean, my, my, my events experience came from when I was 20 years old, organizing beach parties. And it was pure egotism because the girls all came up to me the night saying thank you for an amazing night Ben all gave me a kiss on the cheek I thought this is pretty good <laughs> you work you work really hard to make something ha happen the, the thing you're producing is a spectacle right something for someone to enjoy and they enjoy it it's taking you a lot of hard graft to make it happen into the night they come back to you and maybe give a kiss on the cheek or maybe just say thank you very much and that's what I do for a living so you never know when that light bulb moment is going to come about and you know, many of my many of my friends have chosen very different careers, and those careers maybe are, yeah, they've been sought after or, or decided upon by the individual for many different reasons: interest, financial gain, location. Um, it's all down to the individual. Okay, beautiful. Now, Ben, uh, for a second, I'd like to humble you, if possible. Uh, you see, I believe that we learn the most in our life from our failures, not necessarily our successes, because you might be able to succeed and not realize what happened, but your failure, you're going to have to examine that. You got to figure out what went wrong. You know, why did you get knocked down? How do you pull yourself up and how do you move forward? So I'd like to ask you, what do you consider your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it? Crikey. That's a tough question. Wow. Um, as biggest failure. Um, you think about this one. I think you can learn from any failure. A failure can be a blip. A failure can be, um, you know, a blip at the last second. A failure can be something much more serious. And I think to answer your question, 
working in the live events business, there are many failures because you are a conductor of an orchestra and there are so many people involved in the orchestra that inevitably it's impossible, not impossible, it's very hard to make every single element of that orchestral piece come together in perfect harmony. And I wouldn't say there's been huge failures, thank goodness, and that's down to a mixture of luck and fortune. Um, and maybe some, and my, maybe my ability as well. But there will always be things that, that are minor failures in the world of live events. And those could be minor, those could be major. But it's how you, as you say, how you learn from them, how you deal with them, and how you make sure they don't happen again. Or maybe you can't. I mean, we had a, I won't tell you exactly what it was, but some of those failures are caused by, by um, God. We had uh, horrific storms for some of my previous events where things got blown away, people were in jeopardy. You deal with it and you've got to have the right people around you. It's not about you. It's not about Ben. It's about Ben and everyone else that's in his group or Ben is part of that group and how you can collectively all come together to make everything go perfectly well or as well as possible, which is all about the orchestra reference of being the conductor, Absolutely. making sure everyone around you is, is part of the same process and wants the same result, which is a brilliant event or a brilliant outcome. All right. That's a fantastic frame of mind to have on that subject. I love it. Uh, kind of a related question, but a little different. What is something that you are working to improve on in yourself today? Uh, I'm working on improving, putting content out there. I think, um, as I just said to you at the start of the conversation, you've got to tell people what you think and what floats your boat, what excites you. And that is quite a scary prospect because a lot of people don't want to put their thoughts in writing online because it's there for everyone to see. And inevitably, there might be some negative comments. You've got to obviously write the right thing. You've got to, you can't write something contentious, political or religious because that's not what we're in it for. You've got to be tactical about what you're going to write and put out there but personally i'm trying to write a lot more content i'm trying to put down in online my thoughts you know, my, via my my blog on my web page i haven't done enough of it i haven't it's not something i i have done a great deal of amount of haven't done a great deal of before and therefore i want to spend more time focusing on it and just say this is what excites me this is here it is Post you know post your comments your thoughts your ideas on that Oh, beautiful. Okay. One more final, like fun question before we bring this in for a landing. What is something that you think that people misunderstand about you the first time they meet you? My accent. <laughs> I would imagine that they would like in the UK, well, was... like they would expect to hear the accent. Well, it's, it's fancy talking to you, right? Cause some people think I'm Australian or South African or whatever. Um, that's a bit of a crass, a crass uh, response to your question. Uh, it's a very difficult question to answer because it, they only misunderstand what they don't know and they don't they only know what you tell them, right? So it's down to Ben Acroyd PLC or Limited. You've got, to, you've got to inform someone of what you can do to help them. And that that's through clear communication, which I'm not perfect at, as you can tell. It's down to getting the right message to the right audience. And it's about helping them understand how you can help them and sometimes that can be difficult because in the context of business you're inevitably saying to a client i'm here through my involvement to make you to improve your business either through revenue generation or through streamlining 
you know, or improving your 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 pipeline or something else. In this day and age, in which budgets are being closely guarded due to COVID, sometimes that prospect of trying something new can be daunting to to client bases, to clients who have limited resources at the moment. However, it's through the education process to say your revenues decrease because of the normality disappearing. We're not in normal conditions. There is potentially other revenue streams that could be looked at for when COVID is a thing of the past. And if you invest in me now, I can help you in that process to get you back to normal. And if not, get you beyond normal when COVID is a distant memory. Fantastic. Okay, Ben, this has been a wonderful interview. How do people find you? How do they reach out to you? Where are you at in social media, email, all that? Yeah, it's uh, arenaconsultancy.com. It's a website. Um, so that's on the up here behind me. Um, I'm on Twitter, Arena Consultant. I'm on LinkedIn, Ben Aykroyd. Search me, and I think you can find me. Sometimes you search me, and you get Dan Aykroyd, who's the Canadian actor, but I'm not him. <laughs> it's related. Someone said to me once, "Are you related?" I said, "Yeah, he's my uncle." And they just Is looked he? at me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone asked me, so I just said, "Yeah, he is." Yeah. And this guy was so dumbfounded. Really? No. Nope. Yeah. So yeah, social media, Discord as well. So all on there. But I'm happy to. It sounds very humbling, but I'm happy to share knowledge. If anyone wants to reach out and say, this is where I am in my career, my life, and I've listened to this and I want some advice, then please feel free. You know, bombard me with with requests for information and I'll have to do all I can. I just literally did a presentation to a, a sixth one college over here in London um, just before Christmas. Just purely because the more people you can tell about this industry, and if you get one person having a light bulb moment, brilliant. If you All get right. five, even better. Changes get 50. Exactly. Of course it does. Yeah. So I say that with complete honesty. I'm here to help. All right. Now, Ben, as we wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts you want to share or anything I didn't ask you think we still need to cover? No, I look forward to the day in which we get back into arenas and we get back into watching live events again. That day can't come soon enough. Um, I'm sure everyone empathizes or rather shares that, that frame of mind, that, that thought process. Um, no, things are changing and the world of esports is changing on a daily basis and it's incredibly exciting. And I think uh, it, it bodes well for the future. Wonderful. All right, Ben Aykroyd, thank you so much for coming on. I genuinely do appreciate this. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And happy right. New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. And for thank everybody you. else, I'm going to remind you all, don't be just a gamer, be a gamerpreneur. <laughs>